Yay, Amy. We're clapping for you. It's so much fun. Now, some people, y'all, y'all might, some of, if you've not been here, you might be thinking, is this like America's Got Talent? What's going on here? Uh, so I will share with you what we're doing is we're doing this thing called Rock Theology. Uh, we've been doing it, and we've been doing it probably about the last 10 years. So it's just one of those times when we, we take a song and then we try to dig some theology out of it. And then the other reason why we do it is because we think it's fun. And so that is really the two biggest reasons. But the song you just heard is Wagon Wheel. Um, you may not have known this, but Bob Dylan wrote that song, uh, wrote most of it. Then, of course, where it really became uh, popular and famous is when Darius Rucker got a hold of it, and then he sort of turned it to a country song a few years ago, became, you know, became one of the, the, the big hits of the year a few years ago. But sort of the background behind the song uh, just in case you were curious about it, it's a guy who's trying to, he's hitchhiking his way down to Raleigh, North Carolina, where he's hoping he's going to be able to meet up with his girlfriend. And so he's thumbing a ride, hoping that he's going to be able to get there, and when he gets there, you know, all of his, all of his hopes are going to be realized. Now, as I thought about that, I thought that that's a pretty good picture of life that, that a lot of us have. Now, because we are all, we're on a journey, and we're all looking for something that's going to bring satisfaction to us. And it's, it's sort of like in life, we're, we're just sort of hitchhiking along in life, hoping somebody is going to come by, pick us up, and take us where we want to go. You know, take us where we want to be. Now, some of you have probably had the experience of, of being picked up before on your journey in life, and things have been good for you. But there's other people who are still out there thumbing a ride, looking for somebody to pick them up, and yet cars keep on passing them by. And then after a while, what happens is very easy to go through this life, this journey of life, and, and just kind of feel hopeless, kind of feel like that we don't have a place, and, and begin to feel like, you know, maybe God has forgotten about me, and there's really not anything good for me to look forward to in this life. Well, today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see the Lord addressing the Hebrew people at a time in their lives when, when they felt abandoned, at a time when they, they, were, they were hitching for a ride, looking for goodness, looking for the promises of God to come true, and, and yet nothing was happening, and so they were feeling alone. And it's here in the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at today where we see some really good news. And, and it applied to the people of this text, but it applies for you as well. And it's this. It's that God has great plans in mind for you. God desires for you to experience his goodness, his blessings, and the hope that he gives in life. And so that's why today we're going to be looking in Jeremiah chapter 29, and we're going we're gonna to go through verses 10 through 14. And so just to kind of give you a background of this passage of Scripture, this is in the Old Testament. Jeremiah was a prophet, and Jeremiah was writing to and speaking to the Hebrew people. They had been in the land of Israel, but the Babylonian Empire, had, which was led by, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had come in uh, to Israel. He had really overthrown the country, run it over, and he took a lot of people, especially from the Jerusalem area, took them into captivity back to Babylon. Uh, three of the more famous people that he took back into captivity were guys uh, who were named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You all know those guys? Okay, so this is, this is the whole thing that had been going on. So they're in captivity. The people are at a place in their lives 
Well, man, they're, they're really desperate, and they're wondering where God is. And, and what had happened is that the people had really, they, they started ignoring God years before. And God had given them direction about how to live their lives, about how to walk with him, and yet they, they went after the things of this world like, like so, so many of us do. And they were tempted by it, they went after it, and it ended up causing them to be in captivity. And so it's depressing, it's really depressing. If you read through the book of Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. So this, he's not like Mr. Feelgood guy. And so when you read through the book of Jeremiah, I mean, it is a message of God's judgment, of God's wrath, all these different things. But then you get to chapter 29, and Jeremiah says, I know things are bad. I know that you feel hopeless. He said, but I want you to know some good news. And that God, that is that God has a plan for you that's good. And I want you to know that in your life, God has a plan for you that's good. Now, now what kind of plans does God have for his people? We're going to see a, a few things from our text today that's pointed out to us. And the, the first plan God has for us is this. It's to prosper us. God desires to prosper your life. Now, we're going to talk about what that means, but I want you to, we're going to come back to verse 10 later. Let's look at verse 11 right now. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, and this is the Lord's declaration, plans for your welfare, not for disaster, to give you future and a hope. Now, you have to remember the context of the Scripture. Remember that the Jewish people at this time, many of them, are in captivity, and if they're not, they're living. They're living back in in Israel, where they are sort of they're, they're being occupied by an outside force. And then Jeremiah the prophet comes to them and says, "Hey, God's got a great plan for your life." He says, "And part of God's plan for your life is to take care of you, to give you welfare, to prosper you." And the people, as you can imagine, when they hear this, they're looking around, going, "What's he talking about?" I mean, how can you say God has a plan for my life when I am in captivity right now? Now, Jeremiah, the part they were ignoring is Jeremiah for years had been telling the people, if you don't follow God, there, there is a price to pay for that. And that is that you lose God's hand of blessing on your life. Matter of fact, Jeremiah had prophesied that this captivity was going to take place. In Jeremiah 4, verses 5 and 6, he wrote this. He said, declare in Judah, proclaim in Jerusalem... And say, blow the ram's horn throughout the land. Cry out loudly and say, assemble yourselves and let's flee to the fortified cities. Lift up a signal flag towards Zion. Run for cover. He says, don't stand still. For I am bringing disaster from the north, a great destruction. So Jeremiah shared what was going to happen. And lo and behold, that is exactly what happened. The Babylonians came in from the north. And it caused the people to live in captivity, to be enslaved, to no longer be free. And some of you might say, man, I feel like that, that's sort of a story in my life. Some of you might feel like that you are enduring hardships in your life right now. Now, the fact of the matter is there are a lot of times when you, you will have hardship in your life for some, some very simple reasons. And a lot of times, and I, I can speak from my own experience, a lot of times some of the hardship that I face in my life is because of stupid things that I've done. That there are times when I will do things like, why is God letting that happen to me? Well, it's because you chose to do that. And y'all, there are something that's real basic that we need to know is that there are consequences that always come with our actions. So sometimes we are in despair 
because of what we've done. Now, other times we can face heartache and despair, and we're totally innocent. You know, there are things that happen in life that don't make sense. You know, I've seen people who've experienced an accident or who've undergone a certain diagnosis, and, and, and they're, just, they're in a place of, of loneliness, not through any fault of their own. And so I look at those things, and I think, well, what does God have to say for people like that? And what he has to say is what our text tells us today, and that is this, that God sees you, and he's got a plan for you. He said, if God sees me, then why am I suffering right now? I mean, there's no way that God could see me. Jesus told us that, that he knows us intimately. Uh, we're, we're told, uh, Jesus told us in Matthew 10, verses 29 and 30, he said, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet none of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have been counted. Have you all heard that before? That God knows the numbers of the hairs on your head? Okay, that, no, you know what that indicates? That God knows you. That even whenever you feel alone and destitute, that God knows you so well, he knows everything about you, he knows everything about your body. He knew the Jewish people in our text. You know, did you know God, God had a plan for the Jewish people from the very beginning. They were going to be his specially chosen people. And it was through these people that God said, I'm going to make myself known to the world. And as God blessed that group of people, then the rest of the world would look and say, man, can you believe what's happening with them? Can you believe the kind of people they are? Who is their God? And so it was going to be a way through the Jewish people that God was going to make himself known. Well, now you look at them. God's making himself known, and yet where are the people? They're, they're in captivity. They don't have freedom. They really don't have anything in their lives to brag about. But it's here that Jeremiah told them, hey, don't forget, God God wants to prosper you. God wants to bless you. Uh, In our text, the version that I'm using, it uses the word welfare. God wants to give you welfare. The way I learned the verse is that God wants to prosper you. Now, that word prosper is interesting. The word prosper, it says God wants to prosper you. That word prosper, it means to complete. God wants to complete you. He wants to fill your life. And, you know, there, there, there are so many people who have a void in their life. We know that there's something missing. We know that there's something that's not quite right in our lives. And yet, whenever I look into Scripture, I see that one of the things that God wants to do in your life in order to prosper you and to give you his welfare is he wants you to have a sense of completion in your life. You know, too many times we miss that. We miss that because we just look at our circumstances. And my circumstances right now aren't good. Therefore, God does not know me. Uh, My circumstances in life are are not fair. Therefore, God has no idea what's going on in my life. So so what's happening is is we're not seeing the full story. The people in our text, they're in captivity. Jeremiah is saying God wants to prosper you, but they can't see the full story. But y'all, if you don't look at the full story, you can really misinterpret things badly. I can give you an example. There's a, a New Yorker who was driving through Texas. And as he was driving, he accidentally hit a horse trailer. And so there was a wreck, and, um, and then a few months later, the New Yorker made some claims for injuries that he'd received in the wreck. And a lawyer called him up and said, yeah, I don't know how you can do this. He said, uh, whenever the policeman asked you how, you how you were during that wreck, you told them that you were okay, so you can't make claims for injuries now. 
So the New Yorker said, well, let me give you the full story. He said, as I was lying down on the ground in pain, he said, I heard somebody say, the horse has a broken leg. And he said, the sheriff walked over, unholstered his gun, and shot the horse. So then he walked over to me and said, hey, are you okay? He said, I said, absolutely. Now, y'all, that's, that's the full story. You've got to know the context before you make decisions and say that you understand everything that's going on. And the, the people in our story, they needed to hear the full context. You're in captivity now, but God's saying, but I'm going to prosper you. See, God has a plan for you. It's to do well for you. Uh, let me give you another example. I actually just read this story in a, in a mission magazine. There was a man named Dr. William Leslie. He was a missionary in the early 20th century to the Congo in Africa. He served there for 17 years. During that time, he, he just, you know, he served, but he said, I just did not feel like I made a difference whatsoever. So he looked at his ministry there as a, as a complete failure. Well, what's interesting is that a hundred years later, this is in the early 2000s, uh, some missionaries went into the interior of the Congo, and what they found was they were finding that there was a revival that was going on, and churches were being started all over the place, and they had never been there before. Like, how did this happen? Well, they told them that there was a guy about 100 years ago. They didn't know his name, but they said every week he would come here and tell our people about Jesus, and we wanted to tell other people about him. It was Dr. Leslie. So here's a guy who thought that in his context that he was a failure, but when you know the whole story, he was prosperous. I mean, I can't even imagine what it was like for him to go to heaven and find out, hey, your ministry was actually, it was really good. Uh, But that's what God has in mind for you. See, God has plans for your life. His plan is to prosper you. But another plan that God has for you is he wants you to have hope. God wants to give you hope. That's another part of our verse. It says, I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, the people in our text, they're, 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 they feel hopeless. You know, they're in captivity. And when you see people that are in bondage, there is no doubt one thing that they need to hear. They need to hear a message that they actually have hope in their lives. Now, there were some religious leaders that were in bondage with the people as well. And they're telling the people, hey, y'all, it's going to be okay. We're getting ready to get released. God's going to give us freedom real soon. And then Jeremiah, you know, the weeping prophet, he comes along and Jeremiah says, hey, you're not getting ready to get released soon. Matter of fact, you're going to be here for 70 years. I mean, not, that is not news that you want to hear. And that's one thing I really appreciate about, about Scripture, is that God's always honest with us in Scripture. God doesn't give us this pie-in-the-sky you know, religion where he tells us that everything's going to turn up roses in your life. I mean, just if you read through the Bible, Jesus said in John 16, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. Uh, Peter told us in 1 Peter 4, he said, don't think it's strange when you as Christians face fiery trials in your life. James told us that we are going to face struggles in life. It's a party right now, isn't it? You're like, ooh, that's exciting. Okay, now, but, I, but here's what I like about it. God is simply honest with us, but he lets us know things are not always going to be this way. I'm going to make things right. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to give you hope. Now, for the Jewish people, that hope was given to them that after 70 years, God would give them freedom. 
Um, we're told this in Jeremiah 29.10. It says, For this is what the Lord says, When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. Now, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, let me, let me share some good news with you. No matter what you're going through right now, no matter what you are experiencing in your life right now, God has good in store for you. Now, you can look at yourself and, and your circumstances and say, uh, I'm not seeing it right now. You know, how, how can I know that that, how, you know, that sounds so good, but how can you give me, can you give me any evidence that that's true? You know, I think the best evidence, if you want to know what the future is like, the best evidence you have of what the future will be is look and see how the past was. Okay, now what is the past? Well, the past is this text we're looking at today. And the people are in captivity, and God said, I promise you 70 years, and I'll give you freedom. Okay, was, did that happen? Did you know that historically we can actually look at that to find out if that's true or not? 70 years later, there was a man who was the king of Persia. His name was Cyrus, a historical figure. And this is what we're told in Ezra 1.1. It says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. Now, what was the word of the Lord spoken to Jeremiah? Well, it was this, that after 70 years you'll be released. Did you know that that's what Cyrus did? In his first year, he allowed the Jewish people to leave and to go back to Jerusalem. Now, now you know what that tells me? God keeps his word. When God makes a promise, he fulfills it. You must say, well, I don't see it fulfilled yet. Now, just because you don't see it yet doesn't mean it's not going to come true. When God makes a promise, you can hang on to this with hope that he will keep his word. You know, Titus 1 tells us that God does not lie. So if God doesn't lie, it means you have every reason to hope, regardless of circumstance. You have a hope that there will be a day when God will make everything right. And you know, whenever you have hope, it, it changes the way you live. Uh, one of my favorite stories is a story of a teacher who was assigned to go to a hospital to tutor a boy that had been out of school for several weeks. And she wanted him to be able to catch up on his work. She didn't know him. And so she was going to the hospital, and when she got there, she realized that she was in the, the burn unit. And that made her really uncomfortable because she didn't know what kind of shape this boy was in. When she walked in, he was in a pretty traumatic state. And she had a hard time just sort of gathering her wits about her. And she's kind of stuttering and stammering, wasn't making a whole lot of sense. And finally, she just said, well, look, I'm here to teach you about nouns and adverbs. So she, she just went through the lesson. After the lesson was over, she got up and left. I mean, she was, you know, she was just totally frazzled. And, and she left, and she didn't want to go back. And, but the next day, she's like, I've I got to go teach the boy. And so she got back up, and she's headed to the hospital. When she got there, she walked in, and a nurse came to her. And the nurse said to her, she said, what in the world did you tell that boy yesterday? And the, and the, nur uh, the teacher was, she said, I'm so sorry. She goes, I had no idea that he was on the burn unit. She goes, it just took me off guard. And the nurse said, no, no, no. She goes, that's not what I'm talking about. She said, he has been totally different since you left. She said, he's smiling. So he's starting to respond to treatment for the first time. What they found out is later on that boy, what he said was, he said, you know, I, I, I was at a point I didn't think I was going to get better. He said, but when I saw a teacher come in and start teaching me about nouns and adverbs, I thought, if I was dying, there is no way they'd send somebody into this room to teach me 
about nouns and adverbs. Now, guys, let me tell you something. When you have hope, it will change you. When you have hope for a future, it will change the direction of your life. It will give you the, the ability to be able to fight another day. So, so here's the question. Do you have hope? You know, do you have hope in your life? Or regardless of your circumstances, are you looking to the God who has given you promises? Because whenever I look into our scripture, I see that God has plans for us. You know what his plans are? His plans are to prosper you. His plans are to give you hope. And then here's the last plan that God has for us, and it involves us, a response from us. God's plan for us is for us to repent. To repent. Now I want you to look with me. We'll read two more verses. Verses, let's see, 12 and 13. The Lord said, you will call to me and come and pray to me. And he says, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You know, the word repent, and I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with it. I you've heard it, but the word repent, it means, to, it means to make a 180 degree turn. It means if you're heading in this direction, if you repent, you turn around and you go in a different direction. Now, God was calling for the people in captivity to repent. So if you're going in this direction, if you're going to repent, you turn around and go in another direction. Now, the reason why they needed to repent was because if you, I mean, all they have to do is, y'all read the Old Testament. Hey, before you get to the book of Jeremiah, God says, this is what I want you to do, and the people of this book are just like we are. He tells us what to do, we're going to do the opposite. And God says, do this, they start worshiping other gods. They start, they start partaking in the things that everybody else is involved in. And so finally, God's like, hey, if that's the direction you want to go, have at it. And what happened is the hand of blessing, God's blessing, was removed from his people. So now where are they? Well, now here they are, and they're in captivity. You know, and, and God has a path for your life that he wants you to be on, and it's a good path. But when we choose our own path, it's a path of destruction. In Romans 6.23, tells us the wages of sin is death. Now, my guess is most of us in here, we do not want that to be our final payment in life. You know, we, we don't want there to be death. And yet, if you stay on the course away from God, that's precisely what will happen. And so the question is, well, where, where are you headed? What's, what's your destination? Are you, are you on the right track, the right path? Uh, there's a story about a, a 70, it's a true story, about a 70-year-old lady. She was going to visit family in San Jose, California. As she was leaving, she lived in Manchester, England. So she got on the plane, and she had a layover in Newark, New Jersey. And so when she got in New Jersey, uh, she, she got something to eat. Then she was boarding the plane, said San Jose, boarding now. So she got on the plane. So when she got on the plane, she felt strange whenever the, uh, the flight attendants were giving instruction in Spanish. So I didn't think anything about it. So she kind of sat there and uh, you know, listened to the announcements, and then the plane took off. So after several hours of flying, the plane came in for a landing, and so when she got off the plane, she looked around and realized every sign that she saw and every person that she saw was speaking Spanish. It was then that she made the realization that she had not flown to San Jose, California. Uh, she flew to San Jose, Costa Rica. Now, I don't know how she did that, uh, but her family in San Jose, California was waiting for her to get off the plane, and she never got off the plane. Now, for her, now, I want to share with you the good news. It's not like, you know, she, and she died there and never saw her family again. Here's the good news. I mean, she finally made it to San Jose, California. Now, for her to get to San Jose, California meant that she had to board a different plane in order to get there. And she did, and they had a nice little family reunion. So everybody was happy. 
Okay, but, but here's here's the idea here. A lot of us we think we're headed in one direction and then we land and we go, Oh, I don't I don't want to be here. And and if we're going to arrive and be where where you want to be, be where God wants you to be, it means you have to board a different plane, catch a different flight, and ride with God as your pilot. And you say, Well, how do how does that happen? Well, if you look in verse number twelve, the Lord says, call out to me, pray. Pray what? Pray for his direction. Pray for his forgiveness. Pray for his guidance in your life. You know, we're told this in Second Chronicles 7.14. So if my people who are called by my name uh, will humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now, now what's the result of that? God hears you. You know, whenever we have sin, whenever we are disobedient to God and we are purposefully walking away from him, the Bible tells us in Psalm 66, 18, it says, if I have sin in my heart, the Bible says God will not hear me. So you say, you, you, want, you want to be on the right path to God so that God will, will listen, so that he will hear you. And then the, the next thing that I see is that God will take care of you. When you call out to him. In verse number 14, the Lord told the Jews that he would restore them to their homeland. God did that. He restored them. Now let me tell you something. Whenever you come to God and you turn and say, I will follow you, you know what God will do for you? He will restore you. He will make sure that you arrive the destination where you want to be. He will bring joy and peace and hope into your life. You know, God can give you freedom. He can give you freedom over addictions. He can give you freedom over bitterness and anger that you have in your life. He can give you freedom over guilt. He can provide your life with joy. You know, we're we're very clearly told this in Scripture in Philippians 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, let your Christians, let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So when it comes down to it, there's a real simple question we have to answer. Do you want, or do we want, God to hold the reins of our life? You know, as as we are hitchhiking for a ride, and God is pulling up next to you, get on. I'll, I'll give you a ride. Will you get on? Because if you do, you need to know God has plans for you. His plans are good. Then what kind of plans does he have for me? Well, to prosper you, to give you hope, for you to repent. So let's let's just go let's go to the, the basics where it all starts. It starts it really starts with repentance. And and some of you, you know, you know, you know that there's some things in your life that, that shouldn't be there. Here's my encouragement for you. Turn away from it. You know, walk away from it. You say, well, I, I really like doing this. Well, that's, it's not an issue of what you like to do. It's, it's an issue of obedience. You know, if we're going to say that Jesus, you know, we use the term all the time, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. If he is your Lord, you do what he says. Now, the good thing about this Lord is he loves you. And he has the best in mind for you. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. But whenever you surrender yourself to him, he will lead you on a path that will give you joy, 
that will bring you hope and will give you a future. Life eternal. And freedom from sin. Now I desire that for anybody. And you might say, you know what, I don't have the, I, I don't, I just really don't have that relationship with Jesus. Well, you can today, so what do I do? You know, just where you're seated, in a few moments by yourself, you can just simply pray and say, Jesus, I want to turn away from my sin. Forgive me. I'll follow you. I believe in you. And I'm asking you to rescue me. You do that, here's what the Bible says, you'll be saved. Now, if you do that, let us know. We want to help. So I, I don't want you to embarrass me. I will not embarrass you. All thing you have to do is you can take out your bulletin. There's a contact form in there. You fill it out. Put your name on it. Check that line. I commit my life to Christ. Tear it out. Put it in one of those boxes as you leave. We'll get you some information in the mail about how to grow in a walk with God. If you do that, it'll be the greatest decision you'll ever make. It'll be a decision that will impact your life for an eternity. Now, there are others of us who are believers. But you know what? Even as believers... Man, we can get so used to just hearing the stuff about God and we just sort of drift back into our old way of life. And it could be for some of you, you just, you, you just need to say, Lord, I, I, need to, I need to recommit myself to you. I want to I walk with you because I recognize your plans for me are good. Anything that you can do on your own that you think is so much fun and so good, it doesn't even touch what God wants for you. And Paul compared everything outside of God. He's, he said that it's like they're filthy rags before you, God. Because everything God has in mind for you, it is good. And it is right. I'd like for us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And I'd like for you to join with me in praying. Heavenly Father, I am, I am thankful for your word. And I'm thankful... Lord, that as we journey in life, Lord, that you want to be the one who stops next to us and that we will will hop on for the ride. Lord, I pray that there will be some today who will commit themselves to you, who will get on board with you, and Lord, trust where you're going to lead them. And Lord, for others of us who are believers, I pray, God, that we would just be real honest with you. And we'll confess the things that we need to confess to you that need to be removed from our lives Lord some things that we need to turn away from God I pray that more than anything that that when we leave here today God that we will know that you are good and Lord that you are enough you are all we need and I pray these things in Jesus name Amen why don't you stand with me